welcome to the Girly Homesteader Podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a part-time homesteader with a full-time love for makeup. This podcast focuses on traditional homesteading topics like gardening, chickens, beekeeping, hunting, fishing, being in harmony with nature, food preservation, cooking, etc. But it also touches on the girly side of things like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and homekeeping. So, If you're ready to learn more about homesteading and keep your girly side along the way, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader podcast. So if you listened to last week's episode, um, that is going to be one of the two like monthly specific episodes that I'm going to be doing. So at the end of the month, I'll be kind of recapping my favorite things from the month that have helped me out. And then at the beginning of the month or right before, um, I'll be talking about my homestead goals and chores that I have coming up for that month and things like that. And also just some updates. So that's just kind of how this podcast is going to work. What I love about living in the Midwest are the seasons. I love how the you know your environment here in the midwest it takes a complete 180 and it changes so much i think that's just something absolutely beautiful about living in the midwest and i know that some people might not like the really cold or the really hot months but even though those are not my favorite months i still think that there's just something absolutely beautiful about how nature changes here in the midwest and so that's another reason that i just want to do monthly specific episodes so anyways let's get into some of the updates that i have on my little homestead here so it's freaking cold (laughs) so um this podcast will be aired um at the beginning of february i'm recording just a few days before so it's technically still january but it's really cold and some of our evenings have been getting into the single digits here and we decided to get a heater for our chicken coop and so i wasn't really in favor of this um just because i've heard and it makes total sense but i've heard that if you make chickens like too comfy (laughs) then they won't want to go outside of their coop outside of their enclosure and like be normal chickens you know scratch around do chicken things and so I didn't want to have that happen but what changed my mind is that some of our chickens were starting to get frostbite on their combs and I feel terrible when that happens because honestly our coop is pretty darn awesome (laughs) um It's pretty airtight, but we do, like, I mean, it's not drafty um, because we do obviously have ventilation in the coop. That way there's not too much condensation, so they shouldn't get frostbite. But it's really cold out. And also, I mean, I don't know about you, but my chickens are not the brightest. And so they will stand out in the cold and let the wind just blow right on them, even with hay bales in their enclosure to kind of block the wind. So anyway, some of our girls were getting frostbite. And so I did put a salve on their combs um, that I got from COVID cluckers on Instagram. Um, They sent me a comb balm and I will say it made their combs a lot more red. They looked a lot better, Um, but still 
we thought about putting a coop heater in. And so we just went to Rural King and we picked up the Cozy Coop. And this is not a heat lamp because we had tried using a heat lamp before, but it just makes the coop too hot. And that's what I wanted to avoid. I didn't want it to be so comfy that they just never wanted to leave. Um, because let's be honest, I know that our chickens are our loves and they're our pets and we adore them, but they just naturally are suited to be in cold conditions, especially when you get cold hardy birds. And most of our chickens are breeds that are good for the cold. They're super fluffy and they don't have super floppy combs. They have rose combs. Now, the ones who were getting frostbite, they are the ones who had your typical comb. Um, but anyways, so we got a coop heater, the cozy coop, and it's like this black plastic panel that goes in whatever your area is and it's just like radiant heat. So it's not blowing on them or anything and it's working really well. <laughs> so we decided to hang it upside down actually from one of the roost bars. So we have it situated at the back of the coop. And we do have power at our coop, so that is a big deal. We're able to plug this thing in. Um, for Christmas, we were also gifted some smart switches by the brand Wise. Um, we have a Wise camera inside of our chicken coop just so we can watch them and make sure that all of them are inside at nighttime. Um, so we were gifted one of these Wise, I'm sorry, not a switch, a plug. We were gifted a wise plug for Christmas and so we put that in the coop and what's cool is that we can determine if we want the heater to be on or not dependent on the weather and we don't have to open up the coop to turn it off or on so we can control it from the app, this wise app. So I will say the heater is doing really well because honestly it's really just keeping the coop maybe 10-ish, eh, 10 to 15 degrees warmer than the outside temperature. So honestly, like on the days that we had that were in the single digits, um, when I woke up in the morning, the coop was like at 18 degrees. And I think that morning it was like literally three degrees outside. So about 10 to 15 degrees warmer in the coop than the outside. So for me, I feel good about that because it's not like so cozy in there that they'll never wanna go out and do chicken things. So that's pretty cool. We did install a coop heater. I will link to the Cozy Coop heater in the show notes um, just because, you know, in case you want to check it out. I'm not affiliated with them at all, but in case you want to look at it. Also, I'll link to the Wise cameras and the Wise plugs because those are pretty cool. It is very convenient to have that camera in there so we know if all of them are in at night and we don't necessarily have to go up and go out and check. So um, another chicken update is that our girls can totally tell that it is getting closer to spring. Um, we are getting about half hour, 45 minutes more sunlight after work right now, and it's awesome. And um, our white leghorn, Dolores, she has started laying a few eggs again, which is super exciting. Um, she is one of our first set of chickens, and so she is about to be two. And this winter is the first winter that she took a break. And I swear, if you have a white leghorn, you know how good of layers they are. And she probably laid an egg every single day of her life until this past winter. So she deserved this break, definitely. Um, but she's now laying eggs every now and then. So that's really exciting. And it just shows you how animals know 
what's coming way before we do. Um, and if you're a beekeeper, you know that too, because like right now, our bees, actually that's the next update I have, um, our bees are alive. We haven't opened up our, opened up our hives, obviously, because it's too cold, but we did go over and we like knocked on the outside of the hive um, just to see if we could get a reaction from them. And yep, both of our hives, we heard buzzing. Um, but what's crazy to think about is that inside of the hive right now, even though it's really, really cold, the bees are already starting to prepare for spring. The queens right now are starting to lay more than they were. That way they can get their worker colony ready to go for spring. So it's just so cool how animals just, they know. They know what's coming way before we do. So um, two plant garden related updates. I did try growing green onion seeds inside. And this is kind of an experiment. Um, we love green onions. Like we're the kind of people who think that basically anything would taste better if it had green onions on it. And so I'm contemplating trying to grow them inside all year round. I'm not really sure because I'm not sure how much space they're going to take up. Um, but I did buy a specific seed starting kit from gardeners.com and it's working out really well. It's a self-watering tray. It has like this piece of fabric that wicks water from below so that the seedlings get watered from the bottom up rather than like drowning them if you're hand watering them from up top. And it's working out really great. And actually I have them growing in my basement. So I did buy like a grow light bulb and I just have it sitting in a super cheap like desk light. Um, but I'm getting sprouts. So that's really cool, really exciting. Um, and I'm also really having success with my herbs that I'm growing inside. And I did start those from seed. Um, I tried doing that last winter. It didn't work. And that's because I did not have enough light. Um, I do want to do like a full episode all about starting those seeds, um, starting those herbs from seed and talk about what I have learned because I have messed that up many times, but I think I'm finally getting some success. So I will do a full deep dive episode in that about that maybe in the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, those are the updates for now on our little homestead for the month of January slash February. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Beauty Counter, the non-toxic skincare brand that I've been using for over two years now and has absolutely saved my skin. As a homesteader, you put so much thought into your gardening and animal husbandry practices because you know the benefits to your health, but your skin is your largest organ. So when you switch to non-toxic products, you can improve your health even more than what you've already done so far through homesteading. Click the link in the show notes to shop with me. Okay, so this is not related at all to what I, what I wanted to talk about today. But one of my chickens just escaped. <laughs> um, where I record my podcast is like up on our second floor. Um, we have one part that like just kind of opens up to our living room, which has a really high ceiling. So it just, it has pretty good acoustics. Um, and so I can see like down over our living room and I can see out onto our deck and my husband's favorite chicken, Aggie, she just escaped. I mean, she'll be fine, but um, I swear she is an Easter egger and she is the most cuddly and jealous 
chicken ever. So right now she knows I'm home. Um, I bet you that she's just walking around trying to find me, probably trying to find my husband. Let's be honest. Um, she's like his girlfriend, uh, and she's always looking for him. So anyways, not at all what I wanted to talk about, but so here we go. Let's talk about what I actually wanted to talk about. So February goals, um, for our little homestead here. So I don't know about you. I'm probably, I bet that this has happened to you. Um, but you have a plan for your garden and you think it, you have it all planned out. It's going to be perfect. And then you learn like one new piece of information or you hear someone talk about something or you find out about some new plant and then everything changes. <laughs> and so that's exactly what happened to me this past weekend. So when I ordered that seed starting tray, I also ordered row covers from gardeners.com. And um, I was thinking that I was going to use row covers as the place where I can grow the cool weather crops that we love. Because if you if you didn't, if you haven't listened to episode number one, um, our goal this year is to grow most of our staples, hopefully all of them, but I don't wanna to be too optimistic, um, but we want to grow most of our staples. And my husband and I, we are very, very accustomed. We are used to growing warm weather crops like tomatoes, peppers, and cucumbers. But, and although we love those, we are tomato freaks, the reality is our staples are greens. We are salad freaks. We have a big salad at least three times a week, and we just love fresh greens. And we also know <laughs> the difference between getting them super fresh from a farmer or at home versus what you can get at the store. There is such a big difference in greens. So our goal this year was to try and grow those year round. And so... <sighs> What we have done in the past with our garden is we've just always been growing straight in the ground. No raised beds, nothing fancy, just we till up a space because we do have a tiller attachment for our tractor. We till up our space and we plant the plants in the ground. And so I thought I had it all mapped out because this year we're also expanding our garden um, to be 20 by 20 compared to 10 by 20, which it's currently at right now. So I had it all mapped out. Um, I've been using this app called Planter, and I do have the paid version of it, which allows you to make multiple garden layouts, um, but the free version, you get just one garden, but it still is awesome. Um, so I had it all planned out, our 20 by 20 garden, just directly in the ground like we've been doing, um, and my plan was to use a bunch of these row covers, like eight of them actually, to allow us to grow greens and the cool weather things like radishes and beets that we also love year-round. So then the row covers arrived and they're nice. They're like, they zip together um, and that makes them pop up and they are very nice. But what I realized is that actually working with them like on a daily basis, like if you want to harvest underneath them pretty regularly, it's a pain in the butt because you have to pull the whole thing out of the ground. So you have to remove your stakes that are in the ground every single time you want to work under them. And so I just started thinking, oh, this actually wasn't as user-friendly as I was thinking they would be. Now, will we still use them? Yes. 
Um, they're definitely still going to be helpful for hopefully getting a head start on our tomatoes and cucumbers, those warm weather things. Um, gosh, last spring, ugh, generally the rule of thumb in our area is that you are safe to plant your warm weather things after Mother's Day. But oh my goodness, we had the worst hard freeze right at Mother's Day. It was so bad. And our tomato plants and our cucumbers last year, they totally got toasted. Um, so anyways, these row covers will be helpful to protect those plants this coming year. Um, but I just, I had like a gut feeling that I knew that these row covers were not going to be enough, that they weren't really what I wanted. So this past weekend, you know, I was just kind of talking about that with my husband when we were eating breakfast. And he said, well, why don't we get a greenhouse instead of doubling our garden space? And initially I was really excited, <laughs> um, like really excited because greenhouses are beautiful and it just, it seemed like the perfect solution for what we wanted because it also would eliminate some of the problems that we have had in the past, which is our soil quality and weeds. So I was all excited, ready to go. I was researching, researching. And then I realized, oh my God, greenhouses are so expensive. And so once I saw the price tag on them, and once I started really thinking through the actual system of having a greenhouse, I got just kind of intimidated by it. And I'm sure that there's greenhouse experts out there who would tell me that it's not intimidating. But for me, it just seemed like a lot to take on, especially this first year that we're trying to grow all of our food, essentially. Um, it just seemed like a lot because I'm not really used to growing these greens, first of all. And then second, I'm not used to growing in mass quantities. The other thing I wanna get into is succession planting. That way we can just have fresh greens and onions and radishes and beets all the time. Um, so those two things that are new, you know, added with a whole greenhouse and like getting all of the containers. It almost seemed like I had to have this perfect system set up even before I got the greenhouse. And so it was just really intimidating to me. And then the other thing is that part of me feels that greenhouses in a way are like too sterile, if that makes sense. Like it's just like too controlled. And yes, I probably have this idyllic, beautiful vision in my head, but I wanted my plants to be planted in the ground or at least close to the ground. You know, like I want them to have contact with the earth. I want the worms to be able to get in there, all of that stuff. And so after my research, I didn't really want the greenhouse. And I told my husband that, but he was still, you know, kind of for it just because it would eliminate, again, the weed issue. Because my husband knows me. <laughs> he knows me very well. And he knows that I don't like yard work. Um, so even talking about all of this stuff, I know it doesn't make any sense because how can someone who doesn't like yard work want to grow all of their food? Well, I'm hoping that this year I kind of have a mindset shift around it because I think that if I start to view it as my job rather than just a hobby, that will help me view it differently. Because if you think about it, you know, you start growing your own food, especially from seed, to save some money. You get higher quality food for a cheaper price because you are putting in the time and labor for it. And in the years past, our tomatoes and cucumbers and things, those were always in addition to 
the food that we were automatically getting from our CSAs. You know, I was always banking on a beautiful box of produce every week or every two weeks. And now <laughs> that I haven't signed up for that, there's a little bit more pressure on me. And I'm hoping that that helps me see it as a job in a way rather than just a hobby. So I don't know. I might talk about that, elaborate that about that on a different day. But anyways, the whole weed situation. <laughs> My husband knows that I do not like pulling weeds and I don't like yard work. So that's why he was in favor of the greenhouse because it is that more sterile controlled environment. So then I brought up the idea of raised beds and raised beds are beautiful. And basically every single podcast that I listen to, everybody goes on and on and raves about their raised beds. And so it seems like it was the perfect combination of what I wanted because it still puts our plants in contact with the earth, with our environment, but it allows you to control things a little bit more because you're allowed to bring your soil in and because your native weeds are so much farther down underneath your soil, there's a lot less chance that they're going to grow. So uh, I still was intimidated though, because we've never built, we ne we've never grown anything in raised beds. And so I was nervous about making that whole 20 by 20 space raised beds. It was just very intimidating to me. And I swear to you, my entire Saturday and like half of Sunday last weekend was spent looking at the planter app, making revision after revision after revision, <laughs> trying to figure out how the heck we were going to do this. And then my husband, he's so smart. He looked at me, he was like, you are driving yourself crazy. What if we do a mix? What if we do some raised beds and some gardens, some beds just directly in the ground like we're used to? And as soon as he said that, I just felt like this wave of relief. And I know <laughs> that that sounds way too, way too dramatic for this, you know, for the situation. But that's what I felt. I felt just this big wave of relief because what I decided is that we're going to build in our 20 by 20 space right in the middle. We're going to have two raised beds that are four foot by 12 foot. So they are going to be pretty darn big, but the surrounding edges of our garden are going to be just our typical, you know, plants in the dirt kind of garden, which we are used to. And so that's where we're going to grow our warm weather crops, the things that we are already not pros at, but we have quite a bit of experience with. So the reason, too, that we have to stick to this 20 by 20 rule or size is because even though we do live on acres, um, the way our land is set up, it it's just not, I don't know, it's not the most conducive to having a really big garden unless we want it like right in our front yard, which we don't. Um, so we have it kind of off to the side. So 20 by 20 is about as big as we can go. And we also have tons of deer around here. So we are constrained by the size of fence that we can build. The fencing that we've been using is just like that typical kind of dog fence, like the um, uh, chain link, that's the word, chain link fencing. We do paint ours black just so it looks a little bit nicer, but those are in 10 foot panels. So we are stuck with that 10 foot unit. So 20 by 20 is like the biggest we can go. So anyways, we're gonna have these two four by 12 beds in the center and then surrounding that we're gonna have our tomatoes our cucumbers maybe some peppers and maybe some herbs so the other thing <laughs> that we're gonna do is on top of these raised beds we're going to create low 
tunnels that just stay in place. And we're gonna build these out of conduit, that's our plan. And then what will be really cool is that during late fall, winter, and early spring, we'll be able to cover these low tunnels with greenhouse fabric, or not fabric, um, greenhouse plastic. And I'll hopefully be able to grow these cool weather things all through winter. And then of course, once the temperatures are good, we can take everything off, but we'll just leave the tunnel hoops in place. And then what's even cooler is that once the hot, hot heat of summer comes, cause it does get to be 90 some degrees here um, in my area of Ohio, we'll be able to put shade cloth on top of these same tunnels. So I'm hoping that this will be a very good mix for us. It lets us dive in, like dip our toes into the world of raised beds but not totally convert. Because also, as you probably know, raised beds are expensive. And so we're kind of like doing it halfway. We're making an initial investment. And for me, raised beds seemed like something that was a lot less intimidating than a greenhouse. And it was just more, like you have more freedom to be able to change it year by year if you need to. So that is our plan, but of course, that means that our to-do list for February has increased a ton. Because originally, all we had to do was just till up our new section, um, put in some soil amendments, and then plant. But now, we have a lot more to do. So, I've explained very elaborately. Sorry if that was boring. But honestly, like as I said in the first episode of this podcast... I'm not claiming to be an expert. <laughs> this podcast is about like documenting our journey into being quote unquote true homesteaders. And so I don't know about you, but I not necessarily like, it's not that I learn maybe from just listening to people talk about what they are doing themselves, but it does help you think about your situation in different ways. Because if you hear people you know, think through a process, you know, that can help spark ideas for your own homestead. So I'm hoping that this stuff is still like helpful, even though, as I've said, I'm not an expert. Um, so anyways, I know I elaborated a ton about our garden, but that's what we're doing. So my to-do list, my goals for February for our homestead is number one, I want to start monitoring temperatures. So we have always had, um, an outdoor temperature sensor in our chicken coop and then it's uh let's see the brand of it is AccuRite, and we've had this thing for a long long time um and so once we got chickens we decided to put the sensor the outdoor sensor in the chicken coop just so we could keep tabs on what it's like for them and then we have like the base station just sitting on our counter it's nothing fancy so I thought, well, it would be pretty cool if I could get that same system in our garden. And so our garden is probably like 300 or so feet maybe from our house. Um, but what I want is to be able to monitor the temperatures under both of those low tunnels and also just the regular plain old outside temperature at the garden. So I did a lot of Amazon shopping. <laughs> I did buy it. It hasn't arrived yet, but I did find from that same brand AccuRite um, a new, newer version of this temperature sensor where there's three different sensors. And so I plan to have one hanging on our garden fence to just get like the typical outside ambient temperature. And then 
Those other two sensors, I plan to put those currently under the row covers that I have just to kind of get an idea of about how much warmer that greenhouse style, you know, contraption <laughs> helps to warm up the temperatures. Um, and then I'll have the base station. I think we might just hang it where our thermostat is because this one, it looks a lot more like I don't know, modern or like spacey than the previous one that we had. So I'm thinking I might just hang it on the wall by our regular house thermostat. Um, so that is like task number one for me. I just want to start monitoring the temperatures so I can get an idea of how much sooner <laughs> we can start growing under these um, low tunnels. So that's number one. Number two is to work on that planting schedule because again, this is all new for us. Um, except for the tomatoes and cucumbers. We know what to do there. We know when to plant those. But for these greens, I want to try and get them in the ground as quick as I can, obviously. Um, that will be very dependent on when we can build um, these raised beds and the covers on top. Um, that's part number three, part number three of my to-do list in, in February. We have to source all of our materials. We have to build them. We have to till the space. We have to put our amendments in. So we have a lot to do in February. And I'm hoping that this February we get some random days that are like in the 40s. I hope so. It's happened before. Um, so we'll see. If we get a stretch of like 40 degree days, I'm hoping that we can go out till up our space, put in our amendments, and at least get the ground ready, and then start building our beds. So that's, that's it, I guess. I mean, I make it sound like it's only three things, but it is really a lot of steps. Um, but first, I want to be monitoring the temperatures. Two, I want to get that planting schedule set up. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to use like a free calendar that we got in the mail. Um, and just work backwards from our last frost date and just see what we can do. Um, so this season is going to be lots of experimenting with these cool weather crops. I do know that the soil temperature needs to be at least 40, 45-ish degrees to start germinating, um, like lettuces and things like that. Um, so that's really why I want to be so ready um, in terms of temperatures. That's why I want to start monitoring them now and to try and notice some trends. Um, so once I get all that data together, I'm going to be just researching the best plastic for these low tunnels, um, buying that, of course, and building the beds. So we'll see. Those are my goals for February. Um, if you have different goals, you know, let me know. Follow me on Instagram. Um, I'd love to talk to you about um, what you're doing because obviously what I'm doing this is very dependent for zone six more specifically zone 6a so if you're in a different zone you might be a month ahead or a month behind um, of me but at least hopefully this conversation just gets you thinking about the things that you do have to do on your homestead um, whether it's starting seeds inside or getting your schedule going maybe cleaning some of your tools that's another thing that I think we should all focus on in February um, so I guess I'll just throw that on. Focus on cleaning. <laughs> um, as I mentioned last week, I've been a lot slower in terms of my like other my other part-time job. 
um, which has been nice. It's almost like I've had kind of like a two week long staycation and it's allowed me to do a lot of the chores that you don't want to do in the summer because you'd rather be outside. So like all of the cleaning, all of the like tedious stuff, like cleaning the cabinets and stuff like that, but it allows you to have more time and more freedom to do the fun things in the summer. So if you're looking at your list and you feel like there's nothing that you can start on yet, maybe try focusing on some of those kind of maintenance tasks, um, like maybe taking inventory of your seeds, taking inventory of potting soil, seed starting mix, fertilizer, stuff like that. Just kind of the, the boring, tedious things that during these cold months you can do with a cup of tea and just like get cozy and get excited about spring. So that's my February. Um, next week, I think I'm going to share our system for keeping our chicken coop water from freezing because I am very proud to say um, our water has four watering nipples on it. And even that night when it was three degrees, um, I went out there and two of the nipples were unfrozen. So I'm very excited about our little setup. Um, so I think next week I'm going to go in depth um, into that. So stay tuned for that episode. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, follow me on Instagram at the Girly Homesteader.